Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Would you please turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 12 with me, please? We are continuing in our secondary series in the book of Judges, and this evening we are in Judges 12, and I will begin reading in verse 8 through 15. Our time together will kindly be helpful if you follow along in a copy of God's Word. Judges 12, beginning in verse 8, God's word says this. After him, Ibsen of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan. And 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. Then Ibsen died and was buried at Bethlehem. After him, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel. And he judged Israel 10 years. Then Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Aijalon in the land of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, died and was buried at Parathon in the land of Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. Let us pray together. O Lord, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. Lord, only you can open our eyes to see you. Lord, as we gaze upon your word now, help us to pay much closer attention to it and receive it as such. Lord, as I attempt to serve your people this evening, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure that most of us in this room love stories. We love stories that are filled with plenty of adventures and dramas. We love stories of inspiration, stories with characters who seem to be interesting. We love stories that, are, that encourages us, stories that yearn to much greater things. And that's probably why Almost no one, including me, never pay attention to a text like the one I just read. <laughs> this passage appears to be rather unique, perhaps ordinary. These three judges are, that are described here were the leaders of the people of Israel for the time that God had called them. And they are 
they were all to serve Israel for a period of time. And they all served Israel for a period of time, one, at, one after another. During their service period, nothing significant seemed to appear or have happened. But the Holy Spirit saw fit to raise them up for the service of God's people in their day. The Spirit also saw fit to include their narrative in the Bible for our encouragement and edification because all scripture is all breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.16. So if we look at what happened right before the story of these three judges, we encounter the troubled times of Jephthah and the conflict that he had with the Ammonites. We read at the beginning of his story that the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, chapter 10, verse 6. And God allowed the Ammonites to afflict the people of Israel because of their unfaithfulness. If you look again at what happened at the end of these three judges, you find again that the people of Israel Dewa was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them up in the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Chapter 13, verse 1. God did raise Samson at that time, but all of this seems to, to suggest that the duration of these three judges, which is 25 years in total of ministry, the people of Israel did not wander from the Lord. They did not suffer the affliction of the enemy. If indeed that is the case, then that actually makes these three judges outstanding. They were secondary governors, men who served their people well. So as we look closely at these three judges, let us be reminded to endure faithfully to the work that God has entrusted to us. Endure faithfully to the work that God has entrusted to us. Three aspects to frame our time are simply this. Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon. Notice first, Ibzan. Ibzan stands out as someone who had a total of 60 children. According to the standard of the Old Testament scripture, he was wealthy and blessed. We are told that after him, that is, after Jephthah, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons, and he gave away 30 daughters in marriage and brought in 30 daughters from outside for his sons. To appreciate this, it's important to remember again the sad story of the judge that came before him. We are told that his predecessor, Jephthah, came from a family that had rejected him, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And Jephthah himself had only one daughter, his only child, chapter 11, verse 34. This child who Jephthah, as we saw 
in our earlier study in the book of Judges, he had to keep as a virgin in order to fulfill a vow he made with God. Ibsen's family was quite a contrast to that of Jephthah's. Jephthah's lineage came to an end, but Ibsen's family was widely spreading. We note here that Ibsen was from Bethlehem, but this is probably not Bethlehem of Judah. His hometown was most likely the Bethlehem of the tribe of Zebulun, Joshua 19, 15. Again, the text declares that Ibzan gave away his 30 daughters in marriage and also brought in 30 daughters from outside his clan for his sons. This was a great big deal. It probably required a careful selection from carefully selected locations. It perhaps was done at a time when there was a certain amount of hostility and disunity among tribes. It may have been that Ibsen conducted his marriages for his children in such a way as to secure good relationship with the people of various tribes around him. But in any case, it is mentioned here that he judged Israel seven years. Then Ibsen died and was buried at Bethlehem. Let us pause for just a second and ask ourselves, what are we to learn from this? What are we to learn from this? We are probably meant to see a connection between the kind of intermarrying Ibsen did and the manner of which he ruled Israel. Ibsen used the marriages of his children to bind Israel's clans and tribes together. Jephthah enforced unity by violence and exercise of raw power. Ibsen promote unity by a particular form of network. To be a peacemaker among one's own people doesn't usually get noticed. Besides, Often it doesn't get, get noticed at all, but the results are surely present. This is especially so in our church. Those who labor to bring peace and unity in the household of God are surely blessed. Why? Because you and I shall be called sons and daughters of God. With that kind of hope, we can have confidence and power from God to help us. To help us in what? To endure faithfully to the work that God has entrusted to us. Ibsen, notice second, Elon. Elon is somewhat similar to Ibsen. We are told nothing at all about his family, but there is a suggestion of what might have motivated him. He, like Ibzan, was a man of Zebulun, but he is so identified with his tribe to the point that he was called by his, the name of his tribe, Elon the Zebulonite. And he was buried in the city of Zebulun. In just two, 
two very short verses, his tribe is mentioned three times. Say, after him, that is, after Ibsen, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel. He judged Israel 10 years. And Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Aijalon in the city of Zebulonite. Zebulon. We can speculate from the threefold mention of Zebulun that Elon loved his tribe. Or it might be that perhaps the people of his tribe loved him. No specification that he had any children of his own. Even though the judges on either side of his story had many children. It may have been that there were many, there were no children for him, and his tribe was his family. It may be that he benefited from the good will of the people of Zebulun towards his predecessor, Ibsen, who had done much to secure peace and unity with the surrounding tribes. One of the ways that Elon shows himself to be a good judge to his people is that he made his people feel good about who they were. Psalm 16 verse 6 says this, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have beautiful inheritance. Elon would be a man who felt that the lines of his inheritance in, this, in his tribe had fallen to him well. And he was thankful. What a sense of esteem Elon must have given to his people as they were facing hard times. Brothers and sisters, this is so also true and needed in churches today. A sense of esteem is a good thing. And any true church is truly and richly blessed with people in it who make everyone feel good, make everyone feel welcome, regarded, respected, loved, and cared for when they are in or walk into a church gathering. So let us be reminded to endure faithfully to the work that God has entrusted to us. Ibzan, Elon, notice third, Abdon. Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, judged Israel. Parathon was a city in Ephraim. Ephraim, the, tr the same tribe similar to that of Deborah in Judges 4. And that means that this judge was of the tribe that had suffered great loss some 23 years earlier when they had sought to attack Jephthah and the Gileadites, chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. But if numbers truly have symbolic meaning in scripture, and if the number 70 would have the meaning of restoration and recovery, as in the 70 people of Jacob who were preserved in G Egypt 
Genesis 46, verse 27, or the restoration of the people of Judah after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. Then there, were, there may be a restoration significant to the numbers of his sons and grandsons that Abdon could boast about. We are told he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. Church, in this day and age, riding on donkeys is the least impressive thing ever. No one ride on donkeys. But in Abdon's day, it, had, it was highly significant because it displayed a symbol of nobility and authority. And all of Abdon's sons and grandsons rode on them, suggesting that they were all significant men of influence. We are told here that Abdon also judged Israel eight years. Perhaps much of that leadership was done through his sons and grandsons. The suggestion of how much he may have maintained significant leadership in his day is given in verse 15. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, died and was buried in Parathon, in the land of Ephraim, in the mountains of the Amalekites. Not only did Abdon have a place in Ephraim, but also had a place that was once under the control of the enemy of the Israelites, the Amalekites. Abdon, it seems, maintained good peace in Israel by supplying it with good leadership. The same thing happens in a church when it has good and godly leadership overseeing it. John Stott once says this, quote, the authority by which the Christian leader leads is not power but love. Not force but example. Not coercion but reason, persuasion. Leaders have power, but power is safe only in the hands of those who humble themselves to serve. Just like we heard this morning from the preaching of this word through Raymond. The essence of good authority is to love, to encourage, to serve, and to bless. And I pray that God will provide for his church the peace and prosperity that derives from such godly leaders. See, each of these judges were appointed by God as secondary governors to lead the Israelites in a specific time for a specific purpose. They were judges who served and led Israel for a partial of 20 five years rest. There were judges who served for a period of time, then died. But friends, we have a judge who did not stay dead. The ultimate primary governor who provides everlasting rest 
the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the ultimate peacemaker who died on the cross for all our sins, the one who was buried in a tomb, the one who highly esteemed us and embraced us by first loving us before we ever even thought to love him, the one who is forever faithful, the only one who on the third day rose again from the dead, the one who ascended into heaven and now is interceding for us at the right hand of God. Church, we can, we can come to him afresh this evening. We can come to him today by repenting of our sins and placing our faith in him alone. Friends, we, cannot, we can only endure faithfully to the work that God has entrusted to us by first and always beholding Jesus Christ. We, uh, we can do that by first be reminding us, ourselves to be a peacemaker with the hope that we shall be called sons and daughters of God. One example we can be peacemakers in a church is that we can strive to have true, genuine forgiveness and reconciliation among ourselves, among one another. Forgive, reconcile among ourselves. Let us be reminded also to esteem highly of everyone by always welcoming, always regarding, respecting, loving, and caring for others when they walk in or inside a church gathering. Let us be reminded also that the Church of Christ is only and well served by men who are godly, men who are faithful, and like Raymond said, mentioned last Sunday in a sermon, men who serve like shepherd who willingly, shepherd willingly from the heart. And church, if we desire godly leadership, we can pray that God will raise up such men. That is the end of my sermon. Let us pray. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Help us to give heed to your word. Help us to pay much close attention to it. And help us to be children, saints, who always look to Jesus. Help us to be peacemakers in your church. Help us to love one another. And help us to always pray for faithful and godly leaders. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.